yeah, it's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy, original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player value. Hosted by John Paul Hurley and Izzy Alcabas. The name of the show is the Dynasty Trade Calculator Podcast, and it starts right now. I am John Paul Hurley, one of the hosts. Joining me this week, the Pharaoh of Fantasy, Izzy Alcafas. What is up, Izzy? What's going on, man? Welcome back, Cotter. A little change of pace this week, so I'm excited. Yeah, you're excited for the change of pace. We need that sometimes, just to kind of break us out of the monotony, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is great. We got a phenomenal show. And guess what? Uh, I'm going to use the word phenomenal like 37 times this week uh, for this episode. We've got a phenomenal guest joining us for the second appearance since 2017. We were just talking pre-podcast. He made an appearance in 2017. He's back once again six years later. Leo P. Sega FF. What's up, Leo? How's it going, fellas? Leo Pasiga. Welcome back to the show, man. This is great. So I just wanted to start this off. We talked a little bit about the um, kind of the introduction pre-podcast. You have kind of been away for a little while, away from the fantasy football industry, kind of taking care of some business. I want to give you the opportunity to kind of talk to the listeners about where you've been, what you've been doing, and then we'll kind of get into some of the content. Yeah, so, you know, real life happens, and and I haven't been too shy about it on social media and sharing with some stuff. You know, I've got two elderly parents, and, you know, my mom deteriorated pretty rapidly over the last 18 months. And and that really took a lot of my focus, a lot of my energy. Uh, ended up retiring from a, a really good job early so that I could focus on my family and, you know, family first. And it was a decision I'm happy I made and was able to put my mom first. She passed away a few weeks ago, but put the family in a really good position. But that ate up a lot of my time and, and rightly so. And again, best decision I could have made. Um, as far as fantasy football, yeah, I had to take a little bit of a step back. Um, and over the last couple of years, I've taken a step back just in general over going from 30 plus dynasty leagues down to, you know, just a couple over the last few years. And and actually this year, the only league I was in was Fishbowl. And, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not still plugged in, still strategizing and and where my focus is right now. I mean, I think anybody who's ever followed me or listened to me knows that I'm a huge strategy guy. Um, but where I'm at right now and where I'm focusing, and I've got a couple of, of uh, articles and, and some things I'm working on, it just have to do with what real life dis- decision matrix look like and how those can be applied to fantasy football. Because I think the biggest area, uh, you know, not to get on my soapbox now, but the biggest area where there's an advantage to be gained, there's, there's stats, there's data, there's trade calculators, as you guys know, there's stuff everywhere for folks to get that information. But where the challenge really comes in is in that real life moment of decision. When you're faced with a draft choice where you're debating two or three players, where the draft is fluid, things are changing, where the season's changing and there's more data becoming available. So so you approach this like the CIA approaches. You approach fantasy football like the CIA approaches life. Well, pretty much. Well, it's similar to profiling (laughs) at a poker table for the most part, right? I mean, I think, I think again, the data and information 10 years ago, it wasn't available. 10 years ago, you only had three sites out there and, and you really had a select group of talented individuals. Now that information is everywhere. There's, there's websites you know, that constantly give you rankings, values, who to start, who to sit, and and being able to make those decisions 
in your in the moment in a live draft or as the season as the season progresses i think you need those skills internally to be able to have a decision tree to be able to say if this then that what am i prioritizing what am i what am i putting on the back burner i think those are all skills that are necessary so again that's where my focus is because there's enough people making rankings we don't need another one as a content creator in the past right you used to write for dlf how could you apply that? How could the average Joe apply what you bring to the table? Uh, like one of the articles I had written just about a year ago was on the Eisenhower matrix. And an Eisenhower matrix is, breaks, breaks a potential situation down into four categories, four quadrants. It has a, uh, it has a urgent and a not urgent top bar, and it has an important and a non-important sidebar. And basically you break it down into four quadrants and in the article, I went on to write that. So, so your upper left-hand quadrant is your urgent, your important. They they dissect there. And for me, it was in the article I had written necessities. Okay, certain players, um, certain uh, specific positions in a certain round. What's the format? What's the scoring? And then in the in the important but not urgent, it was flexibility, risk reward, coaching staffs, uh, vulnerabilities, run mm -hmm. susceptibilities. Um, and then in the bottom quadrants, it was distractions and avoidance, things that I didn't want to deal with, um, guesstimations, uh, had a, an, a section that was like smells like settling on a particular player, uh, positional runs, not to get caught up in that. So it kind of broke everything down mm. into um, just a, a visual format so that as you're going through the draft, you have a blueprint so that you can follow. because. You know, let's face it, in a, in a draft, you have positional runs. You have a player that you have your mind set on in the next pick and two picks before you, somebody snipes that player. How are you going to react to that? In the moment, it's crucial to have a plan and, and something like an Eisenhower matrix, um, something like just even a basic decision tree will help you. Again, if this, then that. Those are skills that I don't think enough mm. fantasy players use in the moment. They go with their gut. And then uh, three weeks later, they regret it and they say, why didn't I just pick that other player? Well, there's there should be a decision map that leads you to the right player, to the player that you're going to be happy with that says, OK, that balances out my process and I can live with that even if the player gets hurt or whatever, because I followed my process. Mm, very cool. Well, hopefully we get to get some of that applied in our show today. Maybe not in depth because a lot of stuff that you're talking about is are things that need to be mapped out. But we get a little bit of a glimpse into your thought process when it comes to just a simple decision making uh, from an A B thought process here, and we can kind of take it from there. And maybe we can dig deeper into some of the things that you um, are talking about uh, in more detail as we go. Sounds good. And with that, we are continuing on with our series of Dynasty Deltas, a very fun little series. We're going to continue on with wide receivers, by the way. A fun little series that evaluates the difference between Dynasty rankings and seasonal rankings and maybe identifying whether there are some buys or sell opportunities mixed within. So starting off with uh, uh, the wide receiver position, uh, I should say finishing off the wide receiver position, I'm going to go backwards just to keep things climatic again. With the number three Dynasty Delta plus wide receiver coming in ranked in the season at number 15, is you're going to be really excited about this one. Ranked on the season at 15 and ranked in Dynasty rankings at 35. So a Dynasty Delta of plus 20 
Nico Collins. Yeah, so a personal favorite of mine, somebody I've been talking about for the last couple of years, and this year it's it's finally coming together for Nico. And a lot of it has to do with just ha- finally having a quarterback that can Obviously, Nico's developed, but it's nice having a quarterback that we can rely on. And, and C.J. Stroud's exceeded anybody's wildest expectations, to be honest with you. But with with Nico, I will say the last handful of weeks, we've kind of seen a transition from Nico to, to Tank Dell in terms of just who is the primary receiving weapon in that offense. You know, in the first three out of the four weeks, Nico had 11, 9, and 9 targets three out of the first four weeks. And he's kind of tailed off. The last three weeks, he's had 6, 6, and 5. He's still been relatively efficient with those opportunities. But I would say I was hoping as a Nico owner that people would jump at the opportunity to acquire a young player and a young offense with a young quarterback. Um and I could take advantage of that, you know, week four, he had, you know, seven for 168 and two. And it just, it just didn't happen for Nico. Uh, he, he didn't come in. And this is the thing when we talk about dynasty rookie drafts and who to target, when to target him. Nico Collins didn't have a sexy profile. He wasn't a guy that in college people in the Debbie world were after. Uh, so there's always with guys that are drafted, I think he was drafted in the fourth round. Uh, third round, twenty fifth, twenty fifth pick. Okay, so third round. Um, there's there is n- really nothing ever sexy about Nico Collins that got people kind of yapping about him. So his his rise to stardom would take a lot longer than somebody that did have that hype. Those sometimes those guys only need a game or two. So right now with Nico, I, I do love the idea that it's it's Tank Dell and Nico as the young up and coming players in an offense Noah Brown yeah I was gonna say coming <laughs> com, coming to but he's like tw- I mean I, I think Noah Brown at this point maybe 27 or 28 turning 28 in January it'll be interesting to see how they use the trio when when all healthy Nico sat this game out against Cincinnati Robert Woods had just returned uh and Noah Brown when Robert Woods was out kind of filled in so with the four of them healthy you know how does the snap share, how does the target share really play out? And nonetheless, I think Nico Collins from here on out won't be the wide receiver 15. I think there's going to definitely be a decrease in production for Nico. But I don't think that you could get a late first for Nico Collins. I think if you can, you pull the trigger on it. And if you can't, I think you just hold and then hope that he ends up being the 1B to Tank Dell's 1A. And who knows, he could be the 1A to Tank Dell's 1B. But I think Tank Dell is likely the alpha in that offense. And we'll see, we'll see if he can fill that role. The, the NFL is moving to these, for the last few years, you know, moving to these smaller receivers that have the speed with crossers and, 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 and just ways for them to get open and manufacture short touches where they can get a lot of yak. And that's that's where the NFL is going. And Nico Collins is that prototype, you know, 10 years ago where you love those guys, you know, the big body frame, you know, outside the numbers. So they, they complement each other really well. But I think Tank Dell in today's game is likely going to be the guy that, that kind of soaks up most of the targets. 
Yeah, and before we throw it over to Leo to talk about Nico, I do want to say, well, there's one disclaimer. We are using the seasonal average to rank these wide receivers. So if you're wondering yourself, Nico Collins was sitting out for a game and he's kind of been banged up for a couple. We're using the average to determine their ranking. So that's why that's why that's happening. So Leo, talk about Nico, man. How do you feel about him? So I'd even back up a little bit um, just from the coaching standpoint. I think when D'Amico Ryans came in, there was a big concern over what is that offense going to look like? Because, you know, defensive background wanted to build a defensive attack, uh, attacking defensive scheme that usually relates to a sound running game, minimal passing. Uh, It's been pleasantly surprising to see the fact that he's let the rookie quarterback air it out and utilize the passing game to the extent that he has. That's that's reaffirming in that, you know, we've always heard that Ryan's is an extremely talented coach and, you know, no one really, the 49ers didn't want to let him go, but, you know, he was a superstar in the making. And you can see the new modern era of coaching compared to like a Bill Belichick where Ryan's is utilizing his people to the best of their ability. The I guess the anti Arthur Smith more more eloquently put. But so to me that's reaffirming. So that says to me, can this offense, because of the fact that they're willing to throw it, that they're willing to trust this rookie quarterback right out of the gate, can it sustain multiple wide receivers? Can it be one of these offenses where you see two wide receivers um being productive on a weekly basis? And to me it looks that way. Um I'm a little worried about the fact that they do have some, some, you know, they have Tank Dell, they have Noah Brown, they have Dalton Schultz. Uh, they have a weak running game relatively with Pearson Singletary, although he had a monster game this past week. I would be comfortable holding on to Nico. I think the key context matters in everything. If somebody were to come along and offer you a first round pick for him, um, I think you would have to consider it based on what your build currently looks like. But if I have enough veteran quality on my squad and I'm a competing squad and I want to hold uh, a wide receiver that has wide receiver one upside that's that's going to be 25 years old in March and, you know, is going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2025, I'm holding on to Nico unless somebody comes along and gives me a big enough offer to pry that away. Because I think based on what I've seen so far, that offense can sustain multiple weapons and have multiple weapons be productive here you go i think we need to move on to the dynasty wide receiver two delta plus delta ranked on the season for average uh averaging 23 uh, points per game uh he's ranked as the wide receiver two on the season average and he's ranked in dynasty as the wide receiver 24 with a delta of plus 22 keenan allen is he talk about keenan allen get us started yeah and this is a classic, you know, when do the wheels fall off? When does the production production dip? And we've seen very few receivers make it to 31, 32, and beyond and still be consistent. Even the even the greats that we've seen, 34 seems to be the absolute max where no matter how good they are, 34 is really when it ends. Um with Keenan, it's it's just a, it's just a matter of time, and, and and to be honest with you, we've I've talked about this in my strategy with these aging players. It's if I can trade 
Keenan is a guy that this year I would be trying to acquire, and I had talked about it, like for a, a Devonta Adams was ha- valued significantly higher than Keenan Allen coming into the year. So trading in an expensive or a higher valued aging player for a lower valued aging player is the way I would transition from one to the other while gaining equity. So it's trading an Adams for a Keenan Allen plus a player that's young that you feel good about or a pick like a second round pick. That's the way to reset your portfolio a little bit, or at least give yourself a way to backfill some of these aging talents. You get to the point now with Keenan Allen, the the production is going to far outweigh the return that you would get for a Keenan Allen over the next couple of years. Yeah. So you're probably better off holding Keenan Allen because if you're a contender, you don't want to give Keenan Allen up for a Keenan Allen up for a late first or a mid first. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you. If you somehow have Keenan Allen and you are not a contender, you have no business holding on to him. And when it comes to players like Keenan, it's I'm trying to trade Keenan right now for a younger player. Let's say you you have Keenan, you're not a contender, but you have a team that can compete next year. Do you hang on to Keenan Allen or do you go after one of my favorite players of all time? And this is a guy that I'd always be targeting for that kind of that transitionary period is Deontay Johnson, you know, a Keenan Allen light. I thought you were going to say you know, Josh Gordon. Can... Yeah, Josh Gordon. I love Josh Gordon. That was my guy. Um, but, you know, there there are ways to transition away from players like this if you're not a contender to still give yourself a chance next year without losing the value entirely. So right now, for me, Keenan Allen, not a contender. I'd be looking to sneak in a Deontay Johnson if you are moving Keenan to a contender and they have like a guy like Josh Downs, I would, wouldn't mind taking the, the significant decrease in, in age there and getting a guy that I really like. And I think, the, once again, a smaller, gadgety, even though Josh Downs isn't necessarily gadgety, but just the quick twitch guys that just create a lot of separation and have a lot of yak. I like targeting those types of guys now, which is, you know, when Lee and all three of us, when we started playing Dynasty and fantasy football, that was a big concern. Like these little guys had no shot of really producing. That's why, like, when we had like the Wayne Corbett's back in the day, it was like, wow, Wayne Corbett, like Marvin Harrison, right? A, Would he qualify? Well, M- Marvin Harrison was a small. I mean, he was he was slender in build. He was still a six footer, but he was a mat. He's he, and he didn't play in the slot. He was an outside receiver. But now all of these guys, they're moving into the slot, right? And that's where they're performing. Like the Amonor St. Browns, right? Even even you can slide Tyreek all across the field. Um, you have uh, the, the Tank Dells now, the Josh Downs now. The, these types of players, Cooper Cup is another one that's, he's also, he's kind of taller, but he's a slot type player. Keenan Allen, slot type player. Um, so. Back when we started playing fantasy football, the slot was a guy that you flexed out. He may get you a handful of targets a game, but you were targeting the primary outside receivers. 
the alphas. And the even Adam Thielen, you know, he's working out of the slot. And that's where a lot of these guys are getting their touches. So that's my that's my kind of quick I guess I don't want to say quick, but that's my take on Keenan Allen and kind of what I'd be doing with Keenan. Um thoughts? Go ahead, Leo. Well, I agree a hundred percent. I think he nailed it. Um I think context again matters. It's it's something a drum beat that I I bang pretty regularly. And and what your roster build looks like, what your expectations are for this year, for next, really determines a lot of what your what your plan is with Keenan Allen. He's got some variables mixed in. I mean, a tremendous young quarterback comes into play that you got to kind of factor in. There's likely going to be a coaching change um, for the Chargers, you would think, uh, and and that could play into value. But I, I do think that. This is where knowing your league mates comes into play and knowing if you have a a particular player, owner, manager in your league that tends to uh, try to acquire uh, a last minute, you know, all star coming down the stretch at the trading deadline. This could be the door that you go knocking on. I think, you know, his his comment about um, Deontay Johnson is excellent because, you know, he struggled a little bit this year, but he's a target machine when healthy. And and is that a good potential candidate to take a, a drop down to if you're not making that title run yourself uh, this year? But I think the last thing I'd add is that if I'm in contention and I'm making that title run and I think I have a very good chance to win it all, I probably ride all the way till the end. And then I make a decision in the off season as to as to what I'm going to do with Keenan Allen. But uh, I, I pretty much, like I said, agree with everything that Izzy said. Um, and now, Izzy, Izzy, uh, going into Week Ten, Keenan was one of my favorite trade targets for contending teams, just because he's just uh, he's devalued from his age, um, so it, he's producing like crazy. Um, so I made an offer, and the trade was accepted. And I want to see, I want you guys to grade my trade. So see what you think. This is a ten-team super flex. Um, I guess that doesn't really matter. Um, well, ten-team does. <laughs> ten-team does. Super flex doesn't. Um, cause there's no quarterback or picks in here. Um, but I gave up Javante Williams and Michael Gallup, but you know, it's Michael Gallup yeah. for Keenan Allen on a contender where I just, I needed a wide receiver to kind of like complete the set. What's your running back mm-hmm. depth look like? Uh, is he, you're probably going to smirk about this cause Izzy knows the league. I'm, I'm in this with him. My running back depth looks like Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, and Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I make that trade in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is like team situation dependent, um, like the 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 surplus and running backs. But I am curious what you think about just for pure value too. So, in a ten team league, I am more likely to make a trade for win now, not win now, but just aging players because it's so much easier to acquire a future stud via draft. Or via trade, it's just there are less elite players. I don't want to say elite players. There are less players in starting lineups across the entire league. So having a little bit more consolidation and just kind of stacking lineups with as many points as you can get makes a whole lot of sense because you don't have as many teams competing to replace talent. Yeah, fourteen team league is far different in terms of going after a aging veteran for win now than it is 10 for a variety of different reasons. One, it's harder to win a 14 team league than it is a 10 team league. Um, 
And you can make the argument that in a 14-team league, stacking it gives you a better chance because you probably have a better adva- a greater advantage because everybody's team is, you know, is kind of, I don't want to say saturated, but that might be the, the best way to, to, to put it, versus a 10-team league where most teams that are in the playoffs are probably pretty good. But that's where, for me, it's I am more focused on how do I continue to be a contender every single season as opposed to just going for broke one year and then having to re, you know, reconfigure years moving forward. So for me in a 10-team league like that, I'm okay making a trade, not even excluding how strong you are at running back, just in general. I'm more likely to trade for an aging player because I feel like they're easier to replace in a 10-team league than it is a 12 or 14. Makes sense. Good breakdown. We're big law of averages, guys, right? So I don't know if Leo is as well, but we're always kind of looking at the law of averages. So Keenan Allen is in a perfect situation right now because Quentin Johnson is the wide receiver too. And he's getting all of the targets being funneled to him. The question becomes, like, how many yards, touchdowns, receptions is Keenan Allen really going to have? That's the ultimate question. And then we look at, well, what other players that are have the same upside as Keenan Allen but likely haven't gotten their yards and receptions and touchdowns really peaked out? So would you do something like Keenan Allen for a Cooper Cup in some sort of trade? You don't necessarily get significantly younger, but Cooper Cup, you could make the argument, has a ton of receptions, yards, and touchdowns yet to be accumulated for the season when healthy. Yeah, I think I would. I think that if I had to, I mean, again, context matters and and what the, the rest of my wide receivers look like and where am I going as far as this particular season. But if I can if I can digest a potential two or three week drop off going to cup um, because ultimately they could finish with the same number of targets, same number of yards, same number of touchdowns over the course of the final three or four weeks with Stafford back healthy, um, being able to throw the ball. I would be very comfortable making that trade as long as it, I didn't feel like it completely, you know, derailed my chances um, at a title. Um, and even then, I still think um, I would probably be 75, 80% moving down to cup over Keenan Allen. Yeah, you, you, you get a year and a little bit of change on age. So you may get a potentially, and who knows, like Keenan Allen could play a year extra over Cooper Cup and give you that production. Um, and and I, I don't know. Nobody does, right? Nobody knows how many years each of these players have, but I, you can make the argument, and before the season, if somebody offered you Keenan Allen for Cooper Cup, you would insta-reject that trade. And the only thing that's changed is Mike Williams got hurt and Cooper Cup has been hurt, right, and coming back, and now Stafford's hurt. And you can also look at Keenan Allen and say, Against the Vikings, he had 18 receptions for 215 yards. And then this last week against the Lions, he had 11 receptions for 175 and two. So he's had damn near 90 points. Almost half of his points came in these two games. 
Um, and then the rest of his season has been relatively, I don't want to say pedestrian, but it's been okay. It's a wide receiver, high-end wide receiver two type season. Now, that's not to say that he's not going to have another 40-point outburst, but we still haven't even seen Cooper Cup's 40-point outburst. And if you can get a little bit extra on top of Keenan, or excuse me, on top of uh, Cooper, I would I would absolutely try to do that. Yeah, I think, I think see, the, where it all comes down to, Izzy, I think, is just what's your philosophy? I mean, you've already stated during the podcast that it's important to you uh, in most of your leagues to maintain a level of of consistent performance and make sure that your team transitions from year to year, um, you know, with a solid opportunity, a window to win, and you kind of build your rosters based on that. There are plenty of managers out there in the dynasty landscape that will sell their soul for a title in any given year. Um, even if that means gutting, you know, any potential draft picks or, uh, players like a Bijan Robinson that just haven't produced yet, but you know has a tremendously high season um, or a ceiling. I mean, so it all depends on the type of manager you are. And I think the key is finding a manager like you that would that would gladly transition down to Cup for that consistency for another two to three year window, and find a manager that is all in this year and is just blinded by the recent numbers by Keenan Allen and is willing to make that trade and potentially throw in a third rounder for you as well just to get it done. Mm -hmm. Hurley, what are your thoughts? Holistically, yeah. I think it's the right play. I I, I mean, how much additionally on top of Cooper are we we talking here? Because you probably could get a lot with Keenan coming off a 40-plus point game again, right? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Every every league is going to have its specific. This is one of those things where it it really is going to depend on your league. And I'm okay doing it straight up, or if I can get a even a third, just give me something I can dice roll. Would would make a whole lot of sense. I think Izzy, you know what? I think it would come down to, and and this is just a blanket statement, regardless of type of managers. But I think you could roll. Um, you could add a fourth to Keenan and you could easily get back Cooper in a third. And I think that one round bump, um, from a, going from a fourth to a third, as well as the player swap could be a tremendous difference for you because that third is going to be far more easy for you to move than the fourth will be as you head into your draft. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, if you look at Keenan last year, like he wasn't a world beater last year. He was averaging, you know, 60-ish yards per game, you know, and yeah, in, in nine games, he had 58 receptions for 650 yards and two touchdowns. So take advantage of the massive production he had just this last week in these two massive games that he's had and and try to move him. I mean, it could it could backfire. Like, it could backfire to the point where Stafford – Gets hurt again. Cooper Cup just doesn't regain his form, and Keenan Allen continues to go gangbusters. But that's the risk that you take. I do want to add that Cooper Cup faces two of the bottom three defenses against wide receivers to finish out his season. Yeah, um, his fantasy football season. So he plays against the Commanders Week 15 with 431 against uh, points against wide receiver. 
He plays in week 17 against the Giants, who are ranked 30th in points against uh, wide receivers. So, like, those are very juicy numbers. And looking at Keenan Allen's matchups, the last three weeks of the fantasy football season, week 15, he plays against the Raiders, who are ranked 6th. He plays against the Bills, who are ranked 12th. And he plays against the Broncos, who are ranked 14th. So, I do like that pivot if you're a contender just for matchups also. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Who's next? Uh, yeah, we do have one more wide receiver at the Dynasty Plus Delta uh, coming in as the wide receiver one with a, a, a plus delta of 24. He is ranked on the season as the wide receiver 29 uh, points points average. And he's the Dynasty wide receiver 53. Cortland Sutton with a Dynasty Delta of plus 24. Is he Cortland Sutton? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what... You probably... With Corlin, you, you you can't trade him because he's not going to return anything of of value. Um, at best, you're probably looking at maybe if you're lucky getting a mid second out of Corlin Sutton. He's been relatively consistent outside of playing the Jets, who actually give the you know have the least amount of points scored against at the receiver position. He had two point three points against him. He's been he's been in double digits, but he's never hit twenty points. So in the other eight games outside of the Jets, he's between 10.9 and 19.6 points per game. So you're not getting the ceiling from Cortland Sutton to give you that that pop that can win you a game, but you're getting a consistent producer probably in your flex, which does have value. If you are not a contender, I, the thing is, what can you get for him? Honestly, could you could you get maybe like a I don't know? Do you get a Marvin Mims and just try to get the the discount there on Marvin Mims because he's disappointed and he hasn't really seen the field? Not a lot of targets, not a lot of touches. Uh, if you can, if a contender has Mims, do you try to flip Cortland Sutton for Mims? Something easy like that. I don't know what the right answer is with Cortland Sutton. Uh, he's an age twenty eight season. He's tied to Russell Wilson. It's not like Russell Wilson's a – he's probably a regressing quarterback, not a progressing quarterback. And then I don't know if the situation gets any better for Colton Sutton next year. So I would shop him for a second if you're not a contender and see what you can get. But you're, I think you'd be hard-pressed to get a mid-second for him. Uh, yeah, uh, Leo, what do you think, man? Cortland uh... Sutton. I think the only lens to look at Cortland Sutton with is as a as a component or a piece to a package deal, honestly. I think yeah. he's produced enough this year um, that he's enticing. I think is he's right on the value straight up. And I think if you're looking at a straight up va- a trade, you're probably keeping him regardless of of you know your strategy. Um, but I think he's a, he's a component. He's a piece to a deal. I think if you're looking to get a, uh, you might be able to take a B, B level player and add in Cortland Sutton and potentially get an A, A level player for somebody looking to, uh, build out some depth for a playoff run. So I really think that's where his value is because this is right. I mean, he's tied to Russell Wilson, who's basically, uh, you know, a game manager now for the most part. And, and uh, he's not a, a UFA until 2026, so he's pretty much in Denver unless they just decide to trade him or eat the contract. So um, I think he's a component. He's a he's a perfect player to add in based on his 
performance so far this year, and he might just be the difference maker to to land a, a you know a level type uh, player in return. Yep. Yeah, and honestly, so give you a couple ideas. A guy that I'd be trying to guys that I'd be trading for, I would dangle out Colin Sutton for a Jonathan Mingo, take a shot on him. Um, guys like Wandell Robinson, Demario Douglas, guys that could become a consistent wide receiver three for you with some potential wide receiver two upside if given the right situation. So those would be guys that I'd be trying to go straight up with if I could make that happen. Even getting, looking, having a little bit more foresight, like a Rashad Bateman, he's not going to be in Baltimore forever. He's still 23 years old. There could be a chance for him in the future to be a a future piece in a better offense um, outside of outside of Baltimore. Um, maybe not straight up, but try to do Rashad Bateman in a in a third for Cortland Sutton or Cortland Sutton for Bateman in a third. Things like that. Yeah, I'd be looking at that. I'd be looking at that group of wide receivers, like you talked about Deontay Johnson. I might be looking at Michael Pittman, and I might take Cortland Sutton and add him to some like a Bateman and say, here these two for Pittman or um try to try to spice up Sutton just enough um to get a player in that, you know, Michael Pittman type range. Yep. Yeah, pretty good breakdown in Cortland Sutton. The only thing I would add is that there are appealing things about Cortland Sutton for a contender, like uh as a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, like if you're looking to fill in guys for bye weeks or injuries down the stretch. He has had a touchdown in every game but two that he's played this season. That's very nice. I don't like the fact that he's seen three targets twice in two of the games this season. And that's just a kind of like a reflection of Russell Wilson's game management like you guys are talking about. Um, however, like uh, it's looking up after the bye week uh, against the Bills. He did command 11 targets in the passing game. So that's that looks great. And if you are a believer in the law of averages uh, like Izzy's talking about and you think that those targets will increase as the season goes on. Um, that's something that's pretty cool to hang your hat on, but I, I do like the idea of flexing away from him. Um, I, I just made that offer Izzy to you. I offered you Cortland Sutton for Demario Douglas in our, our league. So we'll see if you accept that. Wait, you're offering me Douglas or you're offering me? I'm offering you Sutton. So you just, <laughs> you're offering me. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know it's a decline. Nice. It was a, it was a satire offer. I thought you'd get a giggle okay. out of that one, but I do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll, you know what? I'm going to sit on that one. Okay, I'm going to sit on that one. <laughs> Go ahead and sit on that one. While while we're talking during every episode of the podcast this season, I'm always in the background just making trade offers because I think it's kind of fun. Just to you know, while we're talking about the subject matter, it's kind of cool to be able to put this stuff into action, you know, and put our money where our mouth is. But anyway, did you ever make any trades from the ones that you offered last week? You offered five. Didn't even get accepted. Yeah, the 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 Keenan Allen one I just brought up was one of the ones that was accepted. Okay, that, that was the only one out of the four or five that I made offers on that was accepted. So basically, Javante Williams for Keenan Allen was accepted, and that and that paid okay. dividends for me. You know, like I he scored forty plus points. I don't. I wouldn't have won that uh, last week without Keenan Allen's point production. There you go. So it's uh oftentimes one player does not make a difference, especially on a week to week basis. But in this case, he did. So it was kind of neat. Love it, love it. And just like we're saying, I, I did. T- I've I've got Keenan Allen in two leagues, and I I've just offered Keenan for Cooper Cup in both of those. So we'll see how that how that turns out. I'm again putting my money where my mouth is. 
And by the way, that is really hard to do. Like, it's really hard to trade a guy who just scored 47 points for your team and and won you the game. (laughs) That's really hard. Also a good point. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to the Dynasty minus Delta wide receivers, starting with the wide receiver three for the difference of Delta. Um, Coming in with a Delta of minus 25. He is ranked on the season as the wide receiver 61. And in Dynasty as a wide receiver 36, Jahan Dotson. Izzy, minus twenty five <laughs> dynasty delta. Yeah, so so we you and I have had kind of a a, a back and <laughs> yes. forth text with John Dotson being a major component because I've offered you Romeo Dubs and um or Dobbs, however you want to pronounce it, for Jahan Dotson, and we've had a funny back and forth, and. You keep saying, well, Dobbs just scores touchdowns. It's, he's buoyed by touchdowns, and it's not really that reliable and so on and so forth. And Jahan Dotson goes crazy, and then I don't offer you the trade that week because you weren't going to accept it. But now Jahan Dotson puts up a zero. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I said no to the offer before Jahan Dotson went crazy. Well, yes, yeah. correct. Well, for two weeks in a row. And I didn't say anything to you, but as soon as Jahan Dotson has a goose egg, then I get text messages from Izzy saying, hey, look at Jahan Dotson. By the way, even with Jahan Dotson's goose egg, those two are separated by an average points per game of about two, 2.1 points per game. So it's it's really negligible, and I'll take the draft capital and all the things that Jahan comes with. But Romeo, I can't offer you the trade anymore because I traded Romeo. So (laughs) I can't even make the joke in the league anymore. I'll still take Rishi Rice for him, though. Rishi Rice, yeah. No, that's not going to happen. Okay. But here's the thing. with I, I really like Dotson as a player, but what concerns me is when Sam Howell throws 44 times, has 300-plus yards and three touchdowns, and Jahan Dotson gets two targets and has nothing on the board, it's really hard to see the upside in going after a Jahan Dotson as even the wide receiver 36. Like, it's like I I'm trusting my belief in the player because he because I, I think he's a really solid player, but I can't be I owned Joey Galloway back in the day. I owned Brandon Lloyd back in the day. It's having those 20 point plus weeks followed up with a zero. This is like Gabe Davis type production drives me absolutely insane. And now Jahan Dotson's had two zero point out outings not not even like point one. he didn't even get like an end around for a yard he got a zero and it's really disheartening um but now's the time to buy it's there's no better time to buy than coming off of a zero point outing i just have no idea how to value Jahan dotson because it seems like the people that have him overvalue him and that's been my experience on trying to acquire Jahan Dotson from the beginning of the season when he was scoring, when he's averaging five points a game through seven weeks. I still couldn't get him on my roster for anything reasonable. I tried, uh, I tried Romeo Dubs straight up. I tried Romeo Dubs for a third. I've tried um, a deal with, uh, I tried Jahan Dotson in a second, a late second for Debo Samuel. Like I've tried a bunch of those are just the ones off the top of my head. I've tried a couple of those deals and they just always get rejected. So I don't know 
I don't want to overpay for a Jahan Dotson because I just don't feel as confident as I did going into the season. But man, I probably not. I would defer to Leo or yourself on this because I feel like I'm blinded by Jahan Dotson and how much I like him as opposed to what his production is going to be long term. Well, I think I kind of agree with you, so I don't know if I'm the right guy to ask. Um, I guess the question that I have, honestly, and I, you know, I don't know, I haven't really followed to see if other people are are asking it, but the question for me is is how much of this falls on Eric Bieniemy? Is I know they brought him in and he wanted an opportunity to show himself differently, you know, on away from Andy Reid's uh, tutelage and umbrella. And, and to be kind of in his own spotlight. But there's a couple of players on the Redskins that I just expected to be utilized, maximized to a different degree, Dotson being one and Gibson being the other. And I'm just really surprised um, just at some of the gaps in their productivity, the inconsistencies in their productivity. Uh, I would be I would be buying Dotson. I think that I mean, it's an interesting dynamic because he's still ranked pretty high in Dynasty, so uh, you're going to be paying up to that level most likely as opposed to his current production, but he's still a player that um, if I was rebuilding, if I was looking towards next year, or if I was just looking to reload in this year and potentially have a player that can carry over, um, he would be one of the targets on my list that I would be willing to pay up a little bit to get. Yeah. And I guess the question becomes, what would you have to give up to receive Jahan Dotson at this point? Because it may be more than what I'm willing to even consider. It's true. Well, I mean, if you look at the dynasty rankings, right, he was right next to Nico Collins, right? And we were talking about you wouldn't move Nico Collins unless you got a late first. You're not seeing, I mean, you're not offering a late first for Dotson. I mean, that's just not happening. Right. Yeah, that's 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 true. Now, here's a question. Does it make sense to do a McLaurin swap for Dotson if you're a if you're a rebuilder, right? Would would we be doing that and trying to get something on top of Dotson? Like a th- uh, I don't know if you can get a second. I think that might be a push, but could you do a Dotson and a second for McLaurin and a third? Yeah, that's exactly Could that be something that's... you can swing? Yeah, that's tough. I guess I would want I would want more of a bump than that. You know, as far as picks goes, if I'm if I'm moving uh, uh, if I'm buying dots, and I want a first coming back to me um, in that trade if if McLaurin's going. So maybe McLaurin third for for Dotson and a first. I would probably do. Really? So you you value McLaurin pretty high. Yeah, I do. Yep. Are, are you a Commanders? Are you a Commanders fan? I know yep. you're East Coast. So who? Nope. Do you, what team do you support? Uh, I I really don't have a favorite team. I mean, you know, my son's a Patriots fan, so I'm probably most familiar with them. But as a fantasy football mm-hmm. player, I don't have a favorite team. Okay. So here, the the thing is, McLaurin's value is depressed too because he's struggling. He almost made this list, by the way, of production versus value. Um. Because he's, I don't know if he almost made it, but no, he wasn't, he didn't almost make it, but he is definitely higher in value than he is in production. Right. And, and, and Sam Howell is leading the NFL in passing yards and he has McLaurin's barely a wide receiver three on the season and Jahan Dotson 
is currently a wide receiver six. Yeah, but I think if you sat down with – I mean, if you put one of your polls up, right, on your Twitter feed where you're, where you're looking for value, yeah. I would be willing to bet that if you put McLaurin or, a, you know, what's comp- comparable value, I would say that based on perception and expectations that a lot of managers would say late first still. They wouldn't say early first, but I think McLaurin, they would consider moving a late first, um, you know, value-wise for McLaurin. Uh, Dotson would probably be a third. So if if you if you were to package those two again, I could see moving, um, you know, Dotson and even throwing in a, a late second to get McLaurin and and a late first. I think that would work in the eyes of most managers. Again, I could be wrong, but I just think perceived value carries so much emphasis when you're when you're dealing with negotiations and your trades. Most people don't sit back and look at bare numbers like you guys are as you're peeling back the layers and you're looking at differences between dynasty value and actual points scored, which is the value you add to the community. Because again, most people don't apply that lens. Most people apply with expectation. This is what I think. And it takes that to curve off of that, to turn that momentum takes a little bit longer than what you guys see because you're looking at data. So I think mm-hmm. if you were to post that again, if you post McLaurin, what's his value, and you list late first, early second, late second, you're going to get the majority of your pollsters coming in at a late first. So I just posted McLaurin plus late second for Dotson plus late first. I'm going to start there, okay, and see because our the data the data or the stuff that we have coming in really has Dotson and McLaurin. A lot closer in, in in dynasty than what I think Dotson really deserves. Um, they're only separated by basically a late second, early third right now in value. And mm-hmm. I want to see if that data is is correct or incorrect. And by the end of the show, we will have close to a hundred votes, my guess. So that'll give us a good uh, sample. I like that. That's a good spot to stop for Jahan Dotson. Moving on to the Dynasty Delta, negative Delta wide receiver two here, coming in with a negative Delta of 27 points. Difference between current season performance and Dynasty rank. Sitting as the wide receiver 67 in points per game. And sitting as the wide receiver 40 for Dynasty ranking, Christian Watson. I don't like this. I've never been a, I'm not a fan of the Christian Watson movement personally, but I'm really curious to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, I I am not a uh, Christian Watson fan. I've I've never ha- I've never had a Christian Watson Watson share. I don't think I ever will. I don't see the the draw. I don't I I like him in best ball. I'm okay with Christian Watson in best ball. I do not want to start Christian Watson on a weekly basis and especially at the premium that he costs or did cost at the beginning of the season. It just wasn't a, it was a non-starter for me. Uh, so if I have Christian Watson, if you out there have Christian Watson, since I don't, I would be definitely shopping Christian Watson and seeing what I could get. I would start with the, the, one of the, some of these rookies, like a rice, like a downs. Um, I would probably be starting there to see if I can get one of those in a swap. I honestly, 
a Dotson. I I wouldn't mind getting a Dotson plus for a Christian Watson. I I just don't I just don't see it with Christian Watson. I I'd never have. I don't know if I ever will. I don't mind eating crow every once in a while, but he really hasn't given me a reason to to feel like I'm making the wrong judgment on on Watson. So I am I am out on Watson, and I don't know when I'll be back in if ever. Yeah, same. And I'll just add that I was okay with him him um, just being a benefactor of an Aaron Rodgers run offense. Looking at historical values, uh, going back to November 2022, he was ranked uh, as a dynasty value in the dynasty trade calculator with a value of 21.5. And entering the season, he hadn't lost much. He was still uh, ranked in the calculator with 19.8 points of value. So like, that was the problem right there. Uh, going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love was a big enough difference for me to want to like discount him, but people weren't doing it for some reason. They were still drafting him as if he had that same rank last year in an Aaron Rodgers led offense. And, and I, that's where I don't, that's where I draw the line. I think he's starting to balance out. He's down to a 13, but I think once he kind of gets to like single digits, then you can kind of realize that he's probably where he should be. Yeah. And, and for context for Leo, a 13 is basically the it's it's in that no man's land where a lot of players fall that they're not quite a late first but they're not a late uh early second either they're in that that dead zone mm-hmm. um what are your thoughts i i don't disagree with either one of you not, he's not and i hate the fact that we're agreeing on so much um but he's definitely <laughs> leo he's wanted defini- to come fighting on this episode. i he did to actually i like i like having <laughs> healthy debates yeah. um but I think he, you're right. He's quarterback dependent, in my opinion. I mean, I think he needs to play with someone like a Patrick Mahomes or, uh, you know, somebody that has a has a even Jameis Winston for crying out loud. He just needs to have somebody who can get the ball down the field because that's really his strength. And and we're you know we're not seeing that, especially in this Jordan Love offense. And and his catch percentage is awful. I mean, it's almost like uh, his ability to change his game to a to a shorter uh to a shorter game to to more intermediate routes to more slant patterns uh, he just he doesn't have the soft hands in that short intermediate game it it's there's an awkwardness to his to his playing in that short game his strength is a long strides getting down the sideline beating a defensive back uh, and again, in that system with that coach, with that quarterback, that is just not, that's not going to happen. So um, if I had him, I'd be looking to move him. I'd be pretty much, see, one of the things that, that dynasty owners tend to to do is they, they hold on too long, especially if they believe in a player. Sometimes you got to get off, even if you're not getting what you believe to be the best return. And he's one of those players that I would be willing to take a third on just to be able to get him off my team because he's not someone that I feel I have a conviction that I don't think I'm wrong on this. And and so you can you can take the third now and run or you can hold on to him. And next thing you know, no one's offering you anything. You're dropping him in the free agent pool and somebody's picking him up for a three dollar blind bid waiver. Uh you know, so uh, the key is finding that right window. And a lot of it comes down to conviction and, and how strongly you believe in a player making it or not making it. And he's not somebody I want on my squad. Yeah, it's just his yard per target. He's 66th among receivers in yards per target. 
that's that's really hard to come come back from um for for a guy that average he's number he's 11th in yards per reception and 66th in yards per target which just clearly defines that he's very inefficient with his targets that are being thrown to him whether it's a an accuracy problem or a Christian Watson problem is probably a little bit of both. But where does that improve? You know, I mean, Jordan Love, even if he's not the answer, what's the answer? They're not bad enough that they're going to get a top five pick. So they're going to end up with a potential rookie quarterback that can step in, up and do the damage. They're going to be, what, picking around seventh and eighth. And it's probably going to be right out of the, um, right out of that quarterback sweepstakes unless they trade up. So what's the answer going to be? If it's not Love, who is it? Leo's and, right. And that doesn't, <laughs> and that doesn't, that doesn't give me any, any confidence going forward that it could be potentially be fixed. Yeah. And the organization's too prideful yeah. to trade for somebody too, that it seems too. So yeah, I think you're right. That's kind of, they're going to be stuck in a, a holding pattern. Yeah. And a lot of those two, you know, Hurley and I's anti-Christian Watson is in Hurley, you mentioned this with Jordan Love, but we're not Jordan Love fans either, and it's not a Green Bay thing because I've, I've always been a fan of Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not really a big enough Vikings fan to to hold anything against any sort of Packers, so it does not come from, from fandom at all. I don't like Jordan Love. I don't think he's a good fit for Christian Watson, and the whole thing for me is a, is a fade. Like, I don't have any Jordan Love. I don't have any Christian Watson, and I don't see that foresee that changing unless Jordan Love makes a significant jump going into year three, which is entirely possible. You see glimpses of potential there, but it's just not something I'm willing to buy into at the price for either player. Yeah, now guys, we got to move on to our final receiver of the Dynasty Negative Deltas. And then Izzy, I think you want to recap the poll results. Yeah, sure. Um, So coming in as the number one negative Dynasty Delta wide receiver with a Dynasty Delta of negative 36 points. So he is ranked on the season as the wide receiver 51 and ranked in Dynasty as the wide receiver 15, T. Higgins. Talk about T. Higgins, Izzy. Yeah. Um, This is a player I, I likely might be wrong on, T. Higgins. I think that, or I thought that he has wide receiver one ability, but he's a wide receiver two on a team with Jamar Chase, which which makes all the sense in the world. The problem is, is I don't know if he's actually anything more than I don't want to say I don't want to say it because I don't, I don't want to sound ridiculous but the the same problem that Kenny Galladay had just not enough separation and he relied heavily on jump balls and just using his frame to be successful is the same problem that T Higgins seems to be having uh he's one of the worst separators in the league via the metric coming in at 91 and he's tied to Joe Burrow, and I get it, albeit with Jamar Chase there. But honestly, there's very few places or very few situations I'd rather have than even being Jordan Joe Burrow's number two. Like I'd much rather have it be Joe Burrow's number two than Jordan Love's number one. That's right. Or 
20 other receiver quarterbacks in the league. I like that we're talking about Joe um, Burrow's number twos, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to love Joe Burrow's number twos. Um, but Do you? honestly, <laughs> he, he, he goes to free agency. Does the situation get any better? Probably not. And then do we see this as a situation kind of like we saw with Kenny Galladay, where he goes and becomes a number one somewhere else? So with with Matt Stafford willing to throw those balls and really pushing the ball down the field and giving his players opportunities for jump balls and just taking that chance, it's like, oh, Kenny Galladay is going to New York and everybody got excited. Oh, Kenny Galladay is going to be the number one and whatever the case may be. And yada, yada. And we never heard from Kenny Galladay again. Yeah, he dropped a he dropped a number two, I think. He he definitely dropped the number two on us. But I don't necessarily think T. Higgins is as bad as Kenny Galladay was at the back half of his career, because um, he's still relatively young. I, I just I worry that he's not as good as I thought he was, and his price is still too high to try to acquire. So for me, this is a firm hold. And you can make the argument that at some point after a quality game or two, you could sell T Higgins or better yet, wait for the off season. And if they don't retain T Higgins, which I don't know if they will, um, you can move him after he gets um, his new team. I'd be, I'd be buying T Higgins uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned, but I'm really curious to see what Leo thinks about uh, T Tea time with Leo Higgins, Leo, Leo Siga. It's a little bit of both. I think that I'm going to straddle a line just a degree here. I think Izzy's right in that he struggles to gain separation. It's a little alarming that he struggles to gain separation when you've got Chase on the other side of the field and Boyd in the slot. And there's still, you would think that would, that would create enough space naturally in the field as defenses rotate their secondary to Chase's side, that that would potentially, you know, create space for himself naturally without him even having to do it. I think the best thing that can happen to T is that he stays in Cincinnati, honestly, and just is content being a uh, dominant number two on inconsistent weeks. I mean, I think that really is the best move for him. I would like to see the numbers, and I didn't get a chance to pull them up. I would like to see the numbers Higgins has against man coverage versus zone coverage, and I'd like to see his success rate um, and his percentages in those two instances. I wanted to get into uh, uh, perception reception and take a look at some of that, but I didn't have a chance to, you know, before we get jumped on, because um, I think that's a factor too. I can give you that information right now. So this year, and I'll, I'll give you next year, last year as well. Okay. So um, his route win rate overall is 31.6%, which is good okay. for 126th in the league. His routes versus man, he's at 122. His win rate versus man is 24%, which comes in at 107. Okay. So last year, his win rate was 79th in the league. He was 36.3%. Um, his win rate versus man was 35.8, which was good for 47th in the league. And his win rate versus zone was 36%. So pretty much dead even mm-hmm. between man and zone. Let me look at this year. Um, so for zone, so man, he's 24.6, which is good for 107th versus zone. 
he's 40% this year. So significantly better versus zone than man this year, but his target rate in zone is 17% versus 27% for man. Right, because of the toss-up balls, I'm sure that they are more comfortable throwing against man. Um, interesting that interesting that he's at 107 this year and 47 last year against man. That's I mean that's a pretty significant that's a pretty significant mm-hmm. drop off. Whether it's injury related or Burrow's injury related, um, that's tough to uh, that's really tough to nail down. I guess for me, ultimately, I appreciate you grabbing those numbers. Um, I'm not off the T Higgins wagon yet. I, he's one of, remember I said earlier, sometimes you just make a decision and you have to be, you have to be committed to that decision when we were talking about Christian Watson and I'm, I have conviction and I just know I'm off of that. I don't have that with T Higgins. I'm pretty indecisive. I hate being indecisive, but I just don't have a feeling one way or the other, whether it's, um, whether it's something I want to continue to invest in or whether it's something I want to sell on. And this is one of those instances when I'm indecisive like that, I look for a larger sample size or I look for context. So I wait for either a really good deal to land in my lap or I propose a really good deal in my favor. And if neither happens, then I'm just okay to ride the ride for a little bit longer and collect a larger sample size. I agree. I was just going to say that I, I, I do like him as a buy just for all the reasons like he's underperforming. He's kind of on the decline. I think he's probably currently valued as like a a mid first for value. Um, But I think that you might be able to find a rattled dynasty owner, somebody who's kind of like uh, as concerned as Izzy is and is willing to move away from him. Izzy, do you own T. Higgins in any of your leagues? Yeah, I was was actually acquiring T. Higgins in the offseason. So I have him in maybe four leagues. Yeah, and I think you'd probably be willing to sell at maybe a slight-ish discount. I know you said he's a firm hold, but I know that if if uh, there was a compelling enough offer, you might be more likely to accept something close, you know? Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm probably trying to hang on to him until the offseason and wait for free agents to come around. Because um, even, if, even if he leaves Cincy, but he lands somewhere where he's the wide receiver one, people will get excited about it. And I can... I can move him then if that's what I ultimately decide. Um, to to give you context, Leo and Hurley in 2021. So he's regressed every single year since 2021. Um, his win rate in 2021 was number 29. And his route win rate percentage was 39%, which is good for 52nd in the league in 2021 as well so that number went from 52 to 91 to 100 and something so his his numbers have declined every single year pretty substantially but nonetheless um I've, i'm probably going to end up taking the l on t higgins and that might just be a miss for me yeah and i, and I, I know you're okay with that because you trust your own process I, ju- I just made an offer for t higgins in a league what'd you do i'm offering saquon for t in a second okay i like it like so we'll it. see how that pans out. So poll result. Poll result, then wrap up. Okay. Uh, 138 votes. Uh, I'll let you guys guess. How about that? Just for fun. McLaurin and a late second versus Dotson on a late first. 138 votes. What do you guys have? What do you guys think the results are? 70-30 uh, for um, Jahan in the first. Okay. Leo? 
Yeah, I was going to say probably 60-40 for Jahan in the first. Uh, you guys are relatively close. It's 74-26 to 26 for the Dotson side, which leads me to believe they're probably separated by, if I bump that late first to an early second, that may get it closer to 50-50. So they're probably separated by a late second to early second swap, which in a lot of cases could be done via a third and a second swap. Yep. Yeah, they're close. They're close in Dynasty. Close, closer than they probably should be because Dotson has, even with two relatively big games, um, he's averaging eight points per game. Yeah. I would... I would still side with McLaurin, so I, I guess there'd be trades for me to make. I love when that, that's the best possible scenario is uh, everybody's got their own values also. All right, yep. you guys. That's all we got. Leo, do you have any uh, final words, any parting words? Oh, I just appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun. Like I said, I don't do this very often, so it was great to sit down with you guys and uh, this is just enjoyable, right? Having dialogue between the three of us, talking about player values and and uh, talking about how everybody's 26 years old except Frank Gore. Yeah. That's, that's pretty <laughs> cool. But I do have some things in the hopper. Like I said, just some uh, strategy pieces on, on applying uh, decision-making tools in the real world and trying to get them applied to fantasy football and hopefully you know, put some things together that can help some of the folks when they're in live drafts or they're um, where they're trying to make decisions in season as to what to do. So you'll see that coming out. And uh, when it does, it'll be on uh, a DLF because that's pretty much my home for when I publish stuff. So uh, that'll be out there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Siga, uh, C-I-G-A underscore F-F. And uh, I love having interaction there. So please, if uh, you're not following, certainly jump on board and happy to have some dialogue. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. And Appreciate the uh, the good conversation, good guy dialogue today. Thanks, Leo. Appreciate it. And hopefully we'll do it again soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Follow us on all the platforms. You know how to find us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.